again, we do appreciate you being here. And uh, how many of you thought about Jesus yesterday? Did you think about Jesus yesterday? Um, my father-in-law, we went over to his house. And uh, that's just what we do on Christmas morning after we open presents at home. And, you know, little kids, they what do they want to do? Well, they want to open presents. And uh, my father-in-law made it a point, and, and they didn't like it too well. He said, we're going to sit down, and we're going to read about Jesus before we do anything else. And uh, I think that's a, a wonderful thing to do with your children. We never need to forget what Christmas is about. Now, we know that Jesus was probably not born on December 25th. He could have been, but uh, just the, the way the Bible reads and the shepherds are in their fields is probably more around uh, March or April. But still, we celebrate when Jesus was born. And never forget him. We're going to continue this morning into the book of Luke, uh, chapter 2. But we're not going to read the, the, any more of the, what we call the Christmas story. We're going to read the next time in Scripture that we hear about uh, Jesus. And that is in Luke, chapter 2, verse number 41. Luke, chapter 2, verse number 41. And we're going to read through 52. Familiar piece of Scripture. But this is a... A wonderful section of scripture. So I would ask you to stand to honor the reading of God's word if you're able. Luke chapter 2, verse number 41. If you're there, please say amen. The Bible says this. It says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned... The child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinfolks and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him. And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors and hearing them, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, again, we come to you with thankful hearts, thankful that we're able to be here this morning and, and thankful that we're able to gather in a free country in this church this morning to worship you. But most of all, we're thankful that Jesus came and was born as a babe and grew up to be the perfect and only sacrifice for our sins. And Lord, we just pray that as we dive into your word this morning, Lord, that you would give understanding and Lord, that you would bless it and that you would give me an anointing this morning to preach your word. But Lord, not only give me the words, but God, I pray that you would open the ears and the hearts of the people so that they could hear from you. And Lord, we praise you and we thank you. And it's in your name we pray. 
Amen. You may be seated. So Jesus is born. We talked about last week, if you remember the sermon last week, that uh, the, the God's people, the children of Israel, had not heard from God in somewhere between four and 500 years, right? That, that from the book of Malachi to the book of Matthew, that everything was quiet, that there were no prophets speaking. And then all of a sudden that Zechariah sees a vision of an angel and tells him that he's going to have a son and that the promise was going to be answered, his prayer was going to be answered, and that was Jesus was come to earth. And we know that the celebration that took place, right? The angels rejoiced and the, the, the kings came, the wise men came and they worshipped him probably as a toddler, as a, as a young child instead of a baby. And all these things took place and then we don't hear from Jesus again. Now I don't know about you, but in my curiosity, I would like to know what Jesus' childhood was like, don't you? I mean, as, as a parent, I would love to know that Jesus was just the, the perfect child growing up. Now, now, we know that he didn't sin, amen, right? Now, Jesus could not have sinned and still been the perfect sacrifice for sin. And so it would be hard for me to imagine a child that didn't do something deviant, didn't do something that they shouldn't have, and, and maybe that was lie to his parents or whatever it was, but we know that Jesus was perfect. And so we, we hear from Jesus again. Now, we're reading in the book of Luke. If you know anything about your Bible, if you know anything about Luke, you, you'll know that Luke was not here to witness any of these events. Luke did not know Jesus on a personal basis, but what Luke did is he was a doctor, and after Jesus uh, went back up into heaven, he would go around and he would interview people, and he would gather reports, and somebody, maybe even Jesus' mother, found it important to share this story with Luke. She could have included a, n a number of things from Jesus' childhood and how, the, how he was as a child. But we have the, the birth uh, account and then we have this account that we read this morning of Jesus when he was 12 years old. Now the age of 12, uh, that, that's sort of a, a, in, in, little, in a little boy at least or in a child, that's, you're getting into the awkward years. Do any of you remember when you were 12, 13, 14 years old? And you're in that phase where you, you, you think you're getting things figured out and you're, you're trying to figure things out, but you still haven't quite got it yet. And Jesus is 12 years old, and they go to the temple. Now, I want to read this and give you a little background, a little context. It says in verse 41, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. As a good Jewish person, you were expected, if you were within a reasonable distance, to go to Jerusalem at the feast of the Passover. I mean, the Passover, this was the holiday of the year for the Jews. It was like Christmas, 4th of July, and, and everything else, in the, the, even the Super Bowl. I mean, it was all of that rolled in together. There was celebration everywhere. And there was a good reason to celebrate because the Passover, we know, is when, when uh, God passed over the land of Egypt. The death angel came, and, and those that had the blood applied, uh, that was the children of Israel, they were spared the death of their firstborn child. And so this had happened thousands and thousands of years ago, even from, from when Luke took place, and yet the, the, the children of Israel still celebrated this holiday. And they would go and they would make sacrifices and they would uh, present lambs and present the sacrifices for their sin, and they would go every year. But this year was special. See, Joseph as a Jewish man was expected to go. Mary as a Jewish woman was expected to go. But it says, and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem 
after the custom of the feast. Now, I don't know for sure, and, and some scholars think this was Jesus' first year. Some don't. But Jesus goes up, and He is about to experience the temple. He is about to experience what, was, what would be the hustle and bustle that the Passover was. Do you feel like that's what Christmas is sometimes? It's just a hustle and a bustle and a bunch of chaos. That's what, the, that's what the Passover looked like in Jerusalem. I mean, they actually went up to celebrate the death angel coming and, and being covered by the blood, but it was, it was a bunch of chaos, and there were people selling lambs and selling goats and selling doves, and there was just all this chaos in all of these people, and in the midst of it, they were supposed to be worshiping and celebrating what God had done for them, but, but sometimes it got a little crazy. And so Jesus is here. He's 12 years old, and, and I can imagine through the eyes of a 12-year-old child or a 12-year-old boy what it would look like to see all these people in this city. And no doubt that they went and they did what they were supposed to. Mary and Joseph, they went and did as, as good Jewish people did. They presented their sacrifices. They gave what they were supposed to, and they were about to leave. They had probably been there a couple of days and it says in verse 43, And when they had fulfilled the days, the, the first couple of days of the Passover, they returned. They were going back home to Nazareth. I mean, they had a job to do. Joseph still had houses to build and things to work on. But it says that Jesus, the child, Jesus, tarried. Now that, that phrase in itself is important. Do you see the words, the child, Jesus? In Jewish custom, in Jewish tradition, a Jewish boy becomes a man. At the age of 13. So if you're 13 years old here this morning, then you, in, in the eyes of the Jewish people, you are considered a man. Now, I don't know about you, but I know some 25-year-olds, 30-year-olds these days that it's hard for me to consider them a man. Amen? Or oh me, I, I don't know what you want to say. But, but at 13 years old, you were considered to be a man. So Jesus, in the eyes of the Jewish people, He is still a child. He's still an adolescent. He's still, you know, supposed to be following his parents around. And he's here perhaps to, even to learn about what, the, what it was like to be in Jerusalem and what he was expected to do next year. And they, things were going to change for him next year. And this was his last year as a child. And they thought Jesus was with them. And so they, they just went on about their business, you know. They thought he was with the family. And... And then they went on, and it says in verse 45 or verse 44 that they went a day's journey, and they started looking for Jesus. You know, Mary looked over at Joseph, and, and she said, You know, Joseph, I hadn't seen Jesus in a while. And Joseph said, Oh, he, you know, he's with, with cousin Bobby back there in the back. You know, he's got to be with them. They're, they're just bringing up the tale. And then they started looking for him. In verse 4, they, they didn't find him. Now, as a parent, when you lose your kid, what happens? Panic sets in. Any, anybody ever been in a store and your child plays the I'm going to go hide in the clothing rack game? Anybody ever had that happen besides me? Oh, man. It's, it's awful, isn't it? It's an awful thought. For when you're standing there in a store and you're minding your own business and, and you just turn around and your child's not there anymore. I mean, the worst thoughts run through your head right there. You think somebody's got my kid. Somebody has, has snatched my child or, or perhaps they've went out of the store and they're walking in the road or they've went to another store and all these awful thoughts start running through your head. 
And then if you're like my kids, my kids, they can't be quiet for more than 30 seconds. Then you hear them giggle. And you know, you, then you can start seeking them out and find them. And, and then if you're like me, you light their tail up when nobody's looking. But we won't, we won't get into that too much. But, but Jesus has disappeared. He's, he's not anywhere to be found in the company. And Mary is, is, is a mother just like anybody else. Now, Jesus is a unique child. We understand that. But still, she was concerned for the welfare and well-being of her son like any good parent would be. They start looking for him. And it says in verse 46, And it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple. Now, this is, this is very important. This is basically where the message goes this morning. That after three days Jesus was in the temple, it says, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all they that heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. See, not only was the Passover a special time because everybody gathered and made sacrifices and celebrated, but what happened is, is something great happened. All the best teachers... Members of the Sanhedrin Council, the highest rabbis and the priests, the very uh, most highly educated people in all of Jerusalem. I mean, you remember, this is the capital of the Jewish faith, and so all the, all the leaders were there. And what they would do is they would come out and they would go to little, little nooks and crannies and little crevices in the temple, and, and they would sit and they would teach, and they would just begin to pour out wisdom to whoever would listen to them. Now, if you're like Jesus, you're from Nazareth. Nazareth is a, a little bitty town. It's a, well, in Sparta, we would call it podunk. Y'all ever heard that term? It's just a country town. It's little. There's nothing that great going on in Nazareth. And, and they didn't even have a good Bible teacher, really. I mean, they had a rabbi, but he was nothing like the rabbis and the teachers and the doctors that you would find at Jerusalem. And so, no doubt, Jesus had been sitting there with them and, and uh, conversing with them for about three days, probably. He, I'd say Jesus had been right there the whole time. That's just the last place they probably looked. And Jesus was there. And these men, they were, they were putting out this wisdom. And all of a sudden, this 12-year-old boy shows up. Could you imagine the highest Bible scholars in all the land? Whoever that is, you just plug in who you think that is. They have a meeting, and they're just there, and if you just want to listen, you can. And all of a sudden, a 12-year-old boy comes in, and he sits down. And he, for a minute, he listens. For a while, he listens. I mean, he says he's both hearing them, and then it says he began to ask questions. I don't know what kind of questions he asked. I would like to know. Perhaps it was questions like, now, uh, my father gave you 613 laws. Why did you add to them? That, that would have been a good question, wouldn't it, George? Or why did you do this? Why did you do that? And, and they, they, they couldn't understand that a 12-year-old knew all these things. And they were amazed. And then finally, Mary and Joseph show up on the scene. Mary, the, the wave of relief that must have come over her uh, was, was something that we can't understand after missing her son for about three or four days. And she asked him a question. And I don't know what tone she did it in, but, but I, you can imagine what a mother, after finding her child after three or four days, looks at him and says, Son, 
Why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee, and we were sorrowing. We were crying. Jesus, we thought we had lost you. And Jesus, this is the first recorded words of the Lord Jesus Christ right here. This is the first thing Jesus ever says. And here's the message today. He said, And he said unto them, How is it that you sought me? Wished you not, or, or don't you know that I must be about my Father's business? Jesus is 12 years old, and he knew exactly why he was put on this earth. Now, in hindsight, we know because he came and he died and he rose again and ascended back up into heaven and he kick-started the church and, and all that, we know why Jesus came to earth. But he's 12 years old and these doctors and these, these lawyers and these people that, that just were, were highly educated in Jewish law heard Jesus say the first thing we ever have is that he had to be about his father's business. And what was his father's business? That's, that's the question of the day today. What was, it, what was so important that Jesus came to earth to do? Well, we know that ultimately... He came to die on a cross, right? But Jesus did so much more than that. Jesus, I want you to understand, we, sometimes we, we get a misconception in our heads that Jesus just was, was like an angel and he came and just floated around and, and, you know, and, and didn't do a whole lot of things. But he lived and, and just like you and I did. I mean, sometimes it's like we almost dehumanize who Jesus was. We don't think about Jesus sleeping at night and Jesus waking up in the morning and Jesus going to the carpenter shop and working and all these things. And, and so many times we, we don't think about that. We, we think Jesus was so different than you and I. Now He was. He was God's Son. He was perfect. But He came and He took part in the human experience that you and I know every day. Yet His purpose was so much greater and that was to die on the cross of Calvary. Can you say amen right there? You know that this morning. But let me tell you this, that, that we, came, we come and, and we're born into this world. Uh, some of us, uh, we've got that little six-week-old baby right there and, and just, just born a few weeks ago. And some of you, it's been a little while longer than six weeks, amen, that, that you came into this earth and... and I tell you what, so many times we, we get caught up in this thing that we call the human experience. Just, just living life, just doing our thing, you know, going to work and, and, and doing what we've got to do to make it and survive and get to the next day and the next week and the next month and the, here we are at the next year. That we forget that we were created for such, such a greater purpose than we really live our lives for. I mean, I don't know about you, but often I get caught up in life, and I get caught up, and it seems like life just, just sort of just, just comes in around me, and it, it just tightens in and gets closer and closer, and almost just life just almost will sometimes just suffocate you on it. You ever felt like you're just almost drowning in the things of life? You're just barely keeping your head above above water. 
at our house, it's we're barely keeping our head above laundry most of the time. I mean, it's, it's just life gets chaotic and, and things multiply and get harder. And as you get older, I've, I've been told that life gets harder sometimes as you get older. I don't know how true that is. You know, I always used to think that retirement was something to look forward to. But you know what I've seen here lately? People will retire and then they'll go get another job because they're bored to death. And, and we get caught up and, and we forget that our purpose here on earth is so much greater than what we're actually doing. Our purpose is, is, is to be about the Father's business. It's to be working. You know, Mary and Joseph, they were ready to take Jesus back to Nazareth so that he could go back to school or so that he could go back to work in Joseph's carpentry shop and, and just go back to life and do, do what he was supposed to do. But Jesus uses that word must. That's an emphatic word that, that he has to be. That there's no other way I must be about my father's business. And we, know, we don't know anything else. When, when Jesus says this, it says in verse 50, but they didn't understand what he said. They didn't get it. They, they, they just kind of scratched their head. And it says, And when he went down with them, came to Nazareth, and was subject unto them, but his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. This is why most people believe Luke would have interviewed Mary for this particular section of Scripture. But Jesus, in verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom, he increased in stature, he grew, and he increased in favor with God and with man. And then all of a sudden, we don't hear from Jesus for several more years. About 18 more years when Jesus is 30 years old, that's when chapter 3 opens up. And I'm not getting into chapter 3 today, but Jesus from the time that he was 12 years old, Parker is 12, did you know that? Aren't you 12? Yeah, so think of, uh, think of Parker. I thought about this when I was studying for this sermon. I was thinking of you. And so I thought about a boy that looked just about like Parker sitting among all these doctors, among all these lawyers. I mean, at 12, you still want to be a kid, right? I mean, when I was 12 years old, I wanted to go and play with my BB guns and, and you know, terrorize my sister and don't do no telling what to, to my parents. But even at 12 years old, Jesus knew what his purpose was. You know that you're never too young to fulfill the purpose that God has in your life. You're never too young. Parker's not too young to be living as part of God's will. And, and some of you folks that are, you know, getting up into, not up into years, but getting a little older than 12, getting on towards your, you know, your, your teens and your 20s and your 30s, you better start now while you still can living your life for God. Amen? You, you shouldn't be putting it off. You, a lot of people view it like this. I had a friend, a really good friend. He was, he was, a, he was a good guy. He was all right. But his attitude was this, that when I get old, when I retire from my job and when, when I'm able, then I will start serving God to the fullest. I'll start doing it then, you know, when, when I have time to do that. I don't, I, a lot of people just think that they don't have time for God right now. I mean, time is a premium, but here's, here it is, folks. We all got the same amount of time in a day. 
We don't have the same amount of money in the bank. We don't have the same amount of energy. But we've all got the same amount of time to give God. Amen? And so his attitude was that when I have time, I will serve God. Well, Jesus was 12. He said, he said I'm not going to think about time. I'm not going to do that. He said, I must be about my Father's business today. That I must be fulfilling the purpose that God gave me today. Now, Jesus knew that he wouldn't begin preaching until he was 30. He wouldn't die on a cross until he was 33. But his father's business had to be taken care of at that point. What does it look like to be about the Father's business? I mean, you know, Jesus had His purpose, His overarching God's overarching will for His life to die on a cross. Obviously, none of us are going to die on a cross. I mean, we may be crucified eventually for our faith. I'm not going to say that. But none of us are going to do it for the sins of other people. Amen? And so, Jesus' purpose was, was awesome, but God has a purpose for our life, and, and we've got to figure out what that is. And I would love to stand here and tell you and write it down for you on a post-it note and say that this is God's purpose for your life. Go fulfill it. But the problem is I cannot do that. I don't know what God's will is for your life. But I've got some pretty good ideas. See, Jesus went and it says that he began to grow. It says he increased in wisdom and stature and favor with God and with man. I think that the, one of the keys, one of the easiest things that you can do to be about the Father's business is just simply live a life that pleases God. Stop living to try to please yourself. Stop living to try to please other people. You know what a people pleaser looks like, right? I'm not, I, I can't live my life to please people. I mean, I've got to juggle being good with people and being a people person, but at the end of the day, I serve God and not man, right? And at the end of the day, you serve God. You, you don't serve me. Just because I'm the pastor of this church doesn't mean you bow down to me and you worship me. You don't worship this church. You don't worship denomination. We worship God. And so our life intention should be to live for Him every day and, and to serve Him and to grow in Him. I mean, we, we're, we're at the end of the year. Hey, ask yourself this question. Am I closer to God? Do I have more wisdom? Do I have more knowledge of God and the things of God than I did on January 1st of this year? If you, can, if you can, can't answer that question with a yes, then you need to assess some things in your life. You need, to, you need to do some different things. If you haven't grown closer to God and, and if, if you're not growing in wisdom and, and favor with God, then I would say that you're not living a life that is pleasing to God. You may be living a life that's pleasing to yourself or somebody else, but I am here and we must live a life to please God. That's the Father's business. It's not that we live our life in God's part of our life he's just like a little just a little part of it you know he's like the the cherry on top of the cake God is what we serve and the rest of our life is just the little part and we lose sight of that and I lose sight of that sometimes some I get caught up in stuff and it's easy to do as the pastor of the church I'll tell you what I do sometimes is is sometimes I get so caught up in events and planning 
and thinking ahead and, and trying to do this and do that and, and have all these things. And if I'm not careful, I forget that we're supposed to be ministering to people. And we're supposed to be living a life that's pleasing to God and, and we're supposed to be doing the next thing and, and that is telling the story of God's redemption to everyone that we meet. If you want to be about the Father's business, you must be a walking testimony of God's grace in your life. You must be a, a ready and available witness for God. It's, it, it's hard sometimes to talk to people. I, I can, I, I'll tell you that I can get up here and if, if I really wanted to and I don't, I could talk for two hours. Now, some of y'all get nervous when I say things like that. And I'm not going to preach for two hours today. But I can get up in front of people and talk all day long. Like, it, it's, it's nothing. My, Lacey says that, that I have the gift of gab, that I can talk and talk and talk. But when it comes to talking to individuals, I find it more difficult. I don't know why. I just do. I can stand up here and I can tell you about Jesus. I can tell you about His plan and what He did and, and all that. And, and hopefully you understand what I'm saying. But when it comes to talking to individuals, you know, just maybe sitting down next to somebody in a restaurant or, or sitting down next to somebody at work or whatever it is, then it gets a little harder for me. Now, people know I'm a preacher. And, and I've told you all that sometimes that's a good thing and sometimes that's a bad thing that when people find out you're a preacher. When, when it, uh, being a preacher is a polarizing thing. Either people will love you for it or people are going to hate you for it. I mean, there's no middle ground. But sometimes God will lay it on my heart to tell somebody about Jesus. He's put so many people in my life that in this past year that I can think of and, and even one person in particular, uh, and God convicted me for this, uh, this guy showed up here at church, and, and he was looking for help, and I helped him. I mean, I, uh, I fed him, and I did what I could for him, and, uh, and at the end, of, when he left, I took him and set him in a motel room, and, and after, he, after all that was over, God convicted me and said, did, did you tell him that I died for his sins? No. Here I am, the pastor. Now, now, can you imagine that? I, some of y'all are looking down on me right now and, and looking down your nose at me. I can see it from here. But listen, how many people has God sent through your life that you were supposed to tell them the story of redemption, tell them the story of Jesus, and you've passed that opportunity up? Anybody besides me? No doubt. But that's the Father's business, amen? I mean, that's what Jesus came to earth to do was, was to tell people about the Father to come and, and live in the image of God. Now, I've, uh, I've, heard, I've heard different opinions on it. They say, well, if you'll just live right, people will just know. Well, sometimes you've got to tell people, right? Sometimes it, it, your actions mean everything, and, and I'm not going to get into that. But sometimes you just have to simply tell somebody about Jesus just tell them because that's the father's business and it's also the father's business to show love but one thing in the life of Jesus that I think is so important that we we often overlook it we don't we don't see the the forest for the trees if you will is that 
to be about the Father's business. When we tell somebody about Jesus, they're supposed to, supposed to get saved. Hopefully that's the result of it. When I tell somebody about what Jesus has done for me and how that He saved me from my sins and, and put me on the path to heaven, hopefully that will resonate with somebody and they'll, they'll come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. They'll get saved and then something else happens. Something that we often overlook as a church Something that I overlook as an individual sometimes is, is that's that Jesus had the end in mind when he, was, when he was about to die. See, Jesus knew that he came to the earth to die. You know that? It wasn't that one day he was, God was like, oh, by the way, since you're here, why don't you go ahead and die on the cross for everybody's sins? I mean, that's why he came to the earth to start with. And so with that in mind, with Jesus knowing that He was going to die on a cross and that He was going to have to defeat death and He was going to have to ascend back to the Father, Jesus had a plan, if you will. See, Jesus went and, and very early in His preaching ministry, He began to call men to follow Him. You know what those guys were called? Anybody, somebody. Well, who were they? The, the what? The disciples. They were the people that followed Him and that Jesus taught and that Jesus poured into and Jesus showed and told and, and ministered in front of them and showed them this is how the church will continue. This is how the church will do its thing is through the disciples. Now I'll say this, that if you really want to live a life that's pleasing and be about the Father's business, the church as a whole, we should be making disciples. And we should be training disciples. There's, there's a, a big failure I see in, in, in a lot of churches. And I, I mean, I study churches. That's, that's one of my things. I like to see what churches are doing right. And then sometimes I see what churches are doing wrong. And, and a thing that we do wrong a lot of times is we fail to train people. We say, well, we've got Sunday school and, and we've got Wednesday night and, you know, we've got this and that and this, you know, that's okay, that's great, but Jesus didn't send his disciples to Sunday school or Wednesday night or whatever. Jesus sat down and he, he lived the life in front of them. He ministered in front of them and he grew them to be the next generation that would carry on the church that he started. Now I'll say this, <clears throat> that some of you are about the Father's business. I look at the, the church and I see people that have been saved for a long time and they've been they've been doing what God called them to do for a long time and that's awesome you know what I like to see people that have been saved for a long time and see them still in the fight and see them still working for the Lord isn't that a wonderful thing I mean it's great to see but one thing that we need to be doing is paying attention to the ones that are coming up behind us and raising up the next generation to carry the church on. Because just in case you hadn't noticed, this chaos that we call life and this chaos that's around us, they're vying for the, the next generation of people. They're vying for our young people. They're vying for our 12-year-olds like Parker and our 13-year-olds like Hunter and our 18-year-olds like Daniel. And I mean, they, they, they want to take them. And turn them into somebody that just follows their self, follows their, their heart. By the way, don't follow your heart. You know why? Because your heart's wicked. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow the Holy Spirit. If we want to be about the Father's business, we must be making 
and training disciples. Now, in order to do that, some, some of us have got to get our own ducks in a row before we can start expecting to train other people. But we've got to. We've got to, we've got to be showing other people what it's like to live for God. Jesus said, don't you know that I must, imperative word, must be about my Father's business. You, as a Christian, have to live under that same banner that we must be about God's business. This this thing about being a Christian, it's not part-time, it's not optional, it's not, you know, nights and weekends, it's not that we work on a a small schedule and, and, you know, we, we give what's left over to God. It's what your life's all about. It's what Jesus' life was all about, was the Father's business. And I hope that, that we as a church can be about the Father's business, that we don't get caught up in, in programs and things. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to minimize these. I love events and fellowship and all that. But we've got to be focused on ministry. We've got to be focused on lost people and showing them that Jesus loves them. You know, that's another thing that Jesus did, by the way, just a little sidebar, is that Jesus went to the people, a lot of them were considered the rejects of society. A lot of them were considered people that that the Jewish priest and all the folks that were high up in the church, those doctors that Jesus was talking to, you know, they wouldn't have anything to do with the kind of people that Jesus ministered to most of the time. But God loves them just as well as He loves the rich people in the, in the palaces. Amen? We must be about the Father's business. Father, we love You. And God, we thank You for Your Word. And Lord, I pray that Your Word went out and it, and it spoke to somebody. And it ministered to somebody. And, and Lord, maybe it will open somebody's eyes and, and open their heart to know that, that we don't, we don't have got a lot of time left. That we, we're not promised 2022. We're not promised tomorrow. And that we've got to work while we still have the opportunity. And that we've got to be about your business. God, help us as a church in this coming year to, to serve you as best we can, to the best of our ability. Lord, not to make half-hearted efforts and, and just do and give what's left over. But God, I pray that we could could live next year to the fullest and be about your business. Help us as individuals because this is going to start in our hearts. It's going to start in each individual, Lord, and it can spread like wildfire to be about your business. Let us never forget that, that lessons from a 12-year-old boy, that we've got to serve you. We've got to do what you say. We've got to trust in you because it's not always easy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand and sing this.